Welcome back to the Runner Back MMA podcast, episode number 37. That's right, I'm not Sugar Snags. You might notice a little bit of change of pace in the intro to this episode. We are parentless. It's almost like uh, we are home alone. Parents have gone off to the movies and we've been left to our own devices. That's right, DL is off on a Australian road trip. Snags, from what I understand, is off writing a best-selling novel. I am the Statman and I am here with my, we say guest star or like, um, what what do they always call us? Our, our like guest, <laughs> guest co-hosts. We're running the show today. So no, this is producer, <laughs> producer <laughs> Statman and producer Stoney. You're sitting in the big chair. How do you feel? Uh, I feel like this has been well-earned over a long period, <laughs> Statman. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to start off with, you might recall me as being a 26 consecutive week leader of the Runnerback podcast, but 100% my greatest achievement is tonight, sitting in the executive producer's big chair. Uh, it doesn't get any better than this. It reminds me a lot, and you'll appreciate this one, Statman, uh, an episode of Rory's War back in the late 1990s where Vince left Shane in charge, and Shane went yep. ahead and set up a, a whole range of fights for the night, which which on paper looked good. But in the end, I think Team Corporate lost the hardcore belt, the tag team titles, and I, you know maybe wrong, but I think The Rock might have dropped the world champ to Mankind. And I'm not saying tonight has a distinctly similar feel, but I think the boys might be sitting back just a little bit nervous as to, to what comes out. I know that uh, Snags is sitting hunched over a typewriter as we speak, desperately panicking and he keeps writing instead of writing s for submission he keeps writing statman stony statman <laughs> stony he's panicking dl i hope you're not driving anywhere because i know absolutely sure he'd be checking his phone for for messages as as we are here but you know we've we've watched it we've watched you guys produce the podcast we we don't have uh the hot takes for this episode unfortunately there's only two of us in the thing but we do have the regular segments that we do know and love we've got a leaderboard update only three podcasts left until we get to the end of the season and it is getting neck and neck there is four necks in the race but one has been lagging behind significantly <laughs> how, how are you feeling sitting pretty look not not sitting pretty i think uh we're in pretty good shape, given we've got three podcasts thereabouts to go before the end of the year. You're spot on. DL's not fully out of the race. He's sitting, you know, within arm's reach, within striking distance. But poor old Snags, you know, I can hear the violins. He's, um, you know, he's just counting down the days till we can reset that ledger and, and start again because he has just drifted so, so far behind. And I could not be happier, Statman. This episode, we're also picking for our UFC 255 card. We have producer DL and Sugar Snags with their predictions. But first, perhaps we should get into a leaderboard update. We predicted for UFC Fight Night Vegas 13 and 14. On the 14 card, there were a few fight changes, but we'll get into that. Getting into some results on UFC Vegas 13. We had Yan Jonan defeat Claudia Gadelia by unanimous decision. Andre Olovsky defeated Tanner Boza by unanimous decision. And Glover Teixeira defeated Tiago Santos by submission with a rear naked choke, which was a absolute fantastic fight. Into UFC Vegas 14. Now, we actually picked only two fights on this card. And would you believe it? Neither fight actually came to fruition or fruition, as I should say. (laughs) 
But we did do some picks on our Instagram and those two picks do go towards the leaderboard. So instead of Brian Barberina and Daniel Rodriguez and Rafael Dos Anjos and Islam Markachev, we went instead to the co-made event, Chaos Williams defeating Abdul Razak Al-Hassan via KO in 30 seconds in the first round. And on late notice, Paul Felder stepped up against Rafael Dos Anjos, but unfortunately was unable to get the victory with a split decision victory going the way of Rafael Dos Anjos. I will say as as valiant as the effort was from Paul Felder, in no way should that have ever been considered a split decision. It was an absurd, absurd judge's decision to award three rounds to Paul Felder. I could have seen maybe one, uh, and, and one judge scored it three rounds to two in favor of Paul Felder. Um, before we get into the leaderboard update, did you have any thoughts on that yeah, one? Yeah, look, I, I think there was a clip come out uh, today or yesterday of Paul Felder uh, zoomed in when, when the judges were reading the scorecards. <laughs> and I think his face, you know, says everything that needs to be said about uh, that decision. He was as surprised by as anyone. One thing I would like to touch on, Statman, is getting back to the Thiago Santos and Texura fight. Yeah. What a roller coaster that was. I can remember riding oh. the highs and lows in the group chat. Obviously, you and I were head to head on that one. Um, uh, at various yep. points, I thought, this is over and I'm going to take this point. A, a much-needed breath of fresh air between me and the stat man. And then just as soon as I started to get ahead of myself, uh, sure enough, the fight would go to the ground. And then, you know, I noticed you were getting a little bit more chirpy in the group chat. And, and we exchanged these back and forth for, you know, at least three or four times each before finally uh, Thiago succumbed. And that was the end of the fight. But that was a ripping fight. Uh, that's up there. You know, I'm not going to say fight of the year or anything outlandish like that. But certainly that's one of the, the more exciting fights that I've watched in a long, long time. I look at that fight as similar in scope to, say, like an Andrea Olovsky travis Brown kind of fight where the momentum shifts in the fight make for a very, very fun fight. I had put a fair bit onto my pick with Glover Tashira. Um, and about 30 to 40 seconds into the fight, I was regretting my decision greatly. Um, and then I remembered that the fighter that I bet on was Glover Tashira. So, of course, if he was going to win, that was the only way he was going to win. Um, get get clobbered, get knocked down, get dragged into a brutal fight. No one else in the light heavyweight division, I think, could take those shots from Tiago Santos and come out the victor. Um, Glover Tashira at 40 plus, is he 42? He, he's still hanging around. He's the unlikeliest number one contender in any division in the UFC. And as much as we are on the Izzy train, maybe you least of all of the four boys, but as much as we're on the Izzy Jan Blahovic cha- train, what a story Glover Tashira Jan Blahovic would be. And I'd have to say in that fight, no discredit to Jan Blahovic, I'd have to say that Glover Tashira would probably be the favorite, which is insane for a man of his age and and not necessarily his abilities, obviously a very talented martial artist, but he's been through some wars. Mate, you, you've absolutely nailed it. Uh, Glover, I thought, was down and out years ago. Years ago, mm. I'd ridden him off and, and thought his best days were, you know, were past. And he's just one of these fighters that just keeps finding a way to reinvent himself and, and peak at the right time. And I think that's what we're seeing now, that, you know, opportunity can and will present. And he's right there uh, in line waiting for that opportunity when it does come. And, you know, you, based on what we just saw, you, you'd be silly to, you know, say that he couldn't do it. I think he's firmly in the mix. He, he's got the, the skill set, you know, that could really mix it with anyone in that division. And I agree, it'd be a phenomenal story if uh, he ended up touching gold this late in his career. 
let's go into our leaderboard update because while there was oh well there kind of was a position shift <laughs> there was a i think it was tied second equal third uh nonsense going around so we put that to bed so in fourth position and doing himself no favors sugar snags with zero points across the two cards is on 59 dl standalone third uh with only the one point across the two cards 68 points Statman, myself yours truly four points and pulling myself up to 71 standalone second place stony three points one ahead 72 points the clear winner still and still Look, mate, I can't say I'm not enjoying it, but I'm not enjoying seeing just how narrow that margin of victory as it currently stands is. Just the the tender one selection. So, you know, this is still anyone's game. Uh, I do lull every time I see Sugar Snags. Um, None more so than this week where he's pulled the double donut, and I haven't seen that for a long, long time, uh, Statman. So, yeah, I don't know. DL's just hanging around. How are you feeling about that gap? Uh, obviously, you were neck and neck with DL heading into the last card. I, I termed it as a title contender eliminator uh, event, and you've certainly prevailed, and it looks like we're going again. Honestly, uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think a performance that I've had could have been any worse than the UFC 254 performance. However, I am glad to see that that was a one and done. I got the lead. I fell way behind with that. Honestly, shocking, shocking performance. Um, maybe I'm not meant to lead the entire way to the end. Maybe I'm designed to just ride on your coattails until I can take it out at the end. So I, I will say a return to form and hopefully I don't get in the lead too quickly and then fall to pieces like I did at UFC 254. What a shambles that was. And speaking of which, you're right, it was a much better fortnight uh, for you, Statman. I thought you'd absolutely lost the plot after UFC 254. Mate, me too. Speaking of which, I actually caught up with a good mutual friend of ours this past weekend, Zach Frederick. And, you know, we might just take a moment and have a listen what Zach had to say. Boys, I am joined here today by our good friend all the way from sunny California. Of course, I talk about the man who reached out to the potty about a month ago and threw down a challenge for the ages to go head-to-head with stats. As it turned out, he ended up joining Team Stoney for UFC 254 and together we took down the stat man. Zach, how are you, mate? Good. How are you guys? Good. We are traveling really good. Really keen for the the next UFC card. We'll get you your tips on that a little bit later. But before we do, run me through the bet. So, what was it that made you want to reach out and, and throw down the challenge and go head to head with the Statman? Well, I've been listening to you guys for a couple months now, since about the summer, and uh, the last two or three podcasts before, I noticed Stats was on a little bit of a run, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I felt like Stoney was getting a little bit of disrespect. I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna back him up. <laughs> We're definitely uh, cut from the same cloth, uh, birds of a feather flock together. And I'm like, you know what? This guy, he keeps getting bullied. Statman's running around here. Sugar Snags does the whole third person thing. But really, all the cockiness is coming from capital T, the capital S stat man. I absolutely love it. You've summed up the podcast so succinctly and so accurately. It's it's phenomenal. But we got there in the end, mate. It was a it was a good card. Uh, some great fights, and I was actually surprised how different our picks were with the stat man. I, you know, we went Rob Whitaker. He was on Jared Cannonier. Uh, yeah, it, as it turned out, it was a, a card made in heaven. Like we was it a clean sweep for us? Oh yeah, we we got the whole thing. Also, uh, Bobby Knuckles called me 
and said that Statman now has to turn in his uh, citizenship card because he went against <laughs> his countrymen. So uh, yeah, I can't believe he did disrespect. that. I thought, I thought everybody was all going to pick. Like, we all going to pick Bobby Knuckles. But he uh, he's like, you know what? Uh, I don't think he's get good enough anymore. And then he's going to be Izzy for the championship, and we're all going to celebrate. And Statman's going to sit in the corner and be like, oh, I should have stayed with Bobby. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. Now, Zach, tell us a bit about your MMA journey, mate. How long have you been a fan of the sport? What was the turning point? Was there a particular fight or a particular event where it just clicked and you said, you know what, I'm a fan? Um, I was flipping through channels back when the WEC was a thing. And uh, I don't know if I caught it live or if I just caught a replay, but it was uh, Uriah Faber. It was one of his title fights. I can't remember exactly which one. But he, uh, they were doing the whole introduction thing. And I'm from California, and they called him the California Kid. And I'm like, oh. Like this guy's a champion. He's a California kid. He must be like, you know, one of the best and his, his flair. Yeah. I, I liked his uh, in-ring style. And I also liked his, his humility after the fight. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's not a TJ Dillashaw or a Cody Garbrandt. And, and I really liked that about him. And then when they merged, I can't remember the, it's Ivan something. I can't remember, but he, he's fighting him. He's climbing his back like a monkey. And like he's doing all this stuff, like like the dude lifted him up in like a crucifix, and then just Uriah swings his legs, gets a body triangle, gets uh, a rear naked choke, and I'm like, dude, this guy just climbed that guy like a beautiful tanned blonde monkey and tapped him out. I'm like, this kid is crazy. And then I'm like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then of course, MMA has given us so much more uh, great finishes. Uh, from there on and I, as soon as i saw that though i saw him just climb this guy and just take him down i'm just like this this is great this mma thing is awesome and i was took 100 and you touched on it you're right faber what a lad so i had the absolute pleasure of meeting him over at one of the ufc fan expos in i think 2012 and yeah you can tell a lot i think about fighters just the, the time they give to the fans and you know even outside his official duties of, of the meet and greets like in the lobby you know just the, the time he was giving to everyone who wanted a photo and a quick chat um yeah just a, a phenomenal person and and that's something that'll stick with me not only a great fighter but yeah having the pleasure to have a chat with him just just seems like a great human yeah and he takes all the butt chin jokes like just great like i've never seen somebody get made fun of do you see the ultimate fighter when it was him and McGregor and uh, <laughs> McGregor tells him to cover up his chin because this is a kid's show. And I'm like, dude, that's great. And then he just laughs it off. I'm like, I like him because you see what happens when people do that. And they're TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt. And they just try to fight each other. Save, <laughs> save that for the ring. Just you know, save, save it later so I can watch it. The whole thing. 100%. Now, speaking of the, the ring or the cage or the mats, You'll be well aware that already we've got a member of the potty, Sugar Snags, who he likes to remind everyone that he's trained once or twice. Sometimes he even gives fighters a bit of advice when DL and, and him are in the studio uh, interviewing uh, some of the fighters in, a, in Eternal. But rumor has it, Zach, you, you've got a bit of experience on the mats as well. Talk us through it. Yeah, I've been trading off and on for uh, a few years. And uh, I'm, I'm just a lowly white belt. Uh, I... I Basically, when you're a white belt, and I learned the hard way, when you're a white belt, all you do is just get tapped out. You learn how not to do things, and then you learn how not to do things the right way. I, the other day we were training, and uh, my 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 coach got me into an armbar, and I'm like, dude, I know how to get out of this. Stand up, collapse him, and then just pull your your arm out. And as soon as I stood up to collapse him, 
he rearranged his legs, put me in a triangle, and I tapped out. And I'm like, I, I can't believe that's all. When you're a white belt, that's all you do is you think you got it, but you don't. But I have a challenge. Snags, you're ever over stateside. All right. We're going to roll for three, five minute round. All right. And the winner is the show's white belt. All right. You are the run it back white belt champion. That's what we're going to call it. So if you ever come stateside, you let me know. I'll come to you wherever you are. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. We've already taken down the stat man and, and now we're we're looking to extend and take down Sugar Snags. I think D, DL and myself are just breathing a sigh of relief for the we're not in the spotlight here, uh, Zach. Yeah, with Sugar Snags, it's all friendly. Like with uh with the stat man, sorry, capital T the capital S Statman. <laughs> It was, a, it was a little bit of, hey, quit picking on my boy Stoney. But with, <laughs> with Sugar Snacks, it's all friendly. I Just love it. A couple it. of competitive guys. Now, man, earlier this week, we, we put a poll on the Twitter sphere asking the listeners, what's the biggest fight that the UFC can make in 2021? Now, we had 45% come back with Israel Adesanya and John Jones, obviously a fairly popular one. Uh, 36% said Colby Covington and Masvidal. Then we had 18% on Conor McGregor and Masvidal. Can to get your thoughts, mate? Not only on those ones, but is there anything else, another fight that we might have missed that, that you'd be keen to see heading into next year? I definitely picked Masvidal Covington because I couldn't, I didn't agree with uh, Izzy fighting Jones because he still has a lot to do in the 185 division. There's so many more like good quality middleweights. Uh, Darren Till just needs to get on a three or four fight win streak and he's back. He needs to run it back with Bobby Knuckles before he tries to go up a division. You know, there's a lot of good young guys that are coming up in the middleweight that he really, if he wants to say that he's the goat, cause everybody wants to be the greatest. If he wants to even be just the greatest middleweight, like you can't defend your belt twice in really, really bad, boring fights, not his fault. Yo Romero came with the worst game plan I've ever seen. Probably hands down the worst fight ever. Paulo mm-hmm. Costa came with, I think he came in with the game plan. And then as soon as they got in the ring, he just abandoned it because mm-hmm. we've never, like, he just wanted a counter and he didn't do that versus Romero. He went after him and I'm like, you're going for the belt. You better, uh, better not wait on the guy to punch you to punch him back, you know? I think Izzy has a lot more to work to do in the middleweights before he wants to jump up and fight John Jones. If you want to fight him just to fight him because you don't like the guy, that's great. But if you're trying to jump in a light heavyweight and get the belt from uh, Jan Blakovich, you got some work to do in your own division. You know, John Jones ran through everybody. DC ran through everybody that ran through John Jones. And then DC went up. Khabib ran through everybody in his division before he's like, you know what? I'm good. And honestly, he doesn't have anything left to prove. Izzy does. Izzy has, you know, it's like, the. I think the most memorable fight and the biggest fight of his career was when he was fighting for the interim belt with Kevin Gastelum. Yeah. Um, even when he fought for the title against Bobby Knuckles, it's like, that was a good fight. You know, Robert Whitaker didn't challenge him. Like, did, did you see Izzy's face after he fought Gastelum? Like, he had a swollen lip. He had a black eye. It was just, it was nuts. If you look at his face after all the other title fights, he comes out clean. Hands down, Kevin Gastelum has definitely given the biggest run for his money, and it was only for the interim belt. It wasn't really a challenge. Now, that Gastelum, that was a big reason why I actually thought Paulo Costa might um, yeah, might really take it to Izzy, but you, you hit the nail on the head. That, that game plan just went out the window, and 
you know, it's one of those ones that how much do you pin that on Paulo Costa sort of throwing it away versus he get, gets in there and then just gets overwhelmed with what's in front of him and, and how much credit do we give Izzy? But I totally agree with you, man. We had a on hot take last week on the last episode, um, you know, Israel going up and I think I was the outlier when I said that uh, I still felt he had more to do. He'd, he'd fought, you know, 50% of the top 10 in his division. He'd only defended twice. So I, I would like to see him, you know, really clear that division out before going up. But in any case, uh, we're going to see that in 2021 when he goes up to fight Jan in January. But yeah, the Colby Covington and Masvidal, that, that would be an absolute banger. I would love, uh, they've teased the the tough return. Um, you look at some of the all-time great toughs and, and I go back to the Kenny Shamrock, uh, Tito Ortiz, Rampage and Rashad. Uh, there's been some great coach rivalries and, and you know, I, I think, I don't know about you, Zach, I, I love it when there's a bit of animosity in the coaches. As the show went on, it became more about respect and we're here for uh, up-and-coming fighters and we're here to nurture the talent. I get that, but nothing replaces some genuine animosity from a viewing perspective, at least from my end. So, yeah, I'd love to see Colby Covington and Masvidal on, on The Ultimate Fighter. That'd be, that'd be pretty entertaining. I think uh, just Colby would probably just annoy uh, Masvidal to the point where Masvidal is probably going to clap back and say something because they're both uh, politically aligned because they're both conservatives. Um, weeks before the election, uh, Jorge was doing uh, doing rallies and stuff down in South Florida. I think they did one at American Top Team, matter of fact. And he yeah. did it supporting Trump. And of course, uh, Colby is, you know, Trump's bestie, I guess. Uh, if, if you get a call from the president after you win, I think you can say he's your bestie. But anyway. <laughs> um Masvidal is not really like as as much drama as he kind of you know conjures up he's not really the kind of guy that is going to come after you first I think Colby is going to have to run his mouth which Colby always does so we have that to look forward to even uh even backstage with Leon Edwards Leon Edwards is walking and he was jawing at Jorge first and before like anything even happened and then Jorge came back and, you know, just started John, you know, the whole scuffle and all that stuff. So it's, it, I think it's going to be like the first couple of episodes might be a little bit boring and then Colby's going to get under his skin and we're going to get hopefully TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt, where even the coaches like the, the, you know, the wrestling coach and everything are fighting each other. That's going to be pretty entertaining to watch. And I really want to see how Colby interacts with other people. Because uh, I think as soon as you put Colby with his own team, he's going to be a totally different dude. He's going to actually try to help people, not talk trash. Just, you know, we'll, we'll see the wholesome side of him. You hear that. You hear a lot of people who, who know Colby. Um, they say that he's you know actually quite humble, quite respectful. But uh, we just don't see that side. At least that's not what gets broadcast. So it would be interesting to see how he you know interacts with up and coming fighters and and you know passes on his wisdom. Uh, I think it'd be fascinating to see. But anyway, are there any other fights that we we haven't touched on that you'd be keen to keen to see next year? Uh, whoever they want to put in front of uh, Volkanovski. Cause I, I don't yeah. have an answer for that man. Like you can like Matt, he ran through Max Holloway twice and Max Holloway ran through the entire division. So I don't, it's, it's kind of like a DC John Jones thing where John Jones runs through the division and then he leaves. And then DC now he's champion. Now you have to find people for him. It's going to be hard. Like I I'm interested to see who they put because I think either, either you outright just say, Hey, Ortega, number one contender, let him fight. I'm just, I don't really, that's not entertaining to me because we saw what Max did to Ortega. And, mm. and I don't know. I, I think you put, and I know Brian Ortega would probably be mad because Dana pretty much already said it was number one contender fight, but you put uh, Zabit 
against Ortega. That's like legit number one contender fight. Whoever wins that, put them in front of Volkanovski. I would I would want to put money on Zabit because I want to see that matchup more than pretty much a, a, a rematch. Somebody who already fought for the title. So I like yeah. the fresh blood in there, especially since Zabit I think is undefeated in the UFC. So I like to see him come up and get some. Zach, before we let you go, mate, we really can't get your insight into UFC 255. We've got a couple of really big fights happening, Figueredo and Alex Perez. And also in the women's, we've got Valentina Shevchenko and Jennifer Meyer. Really keen to get your thoughts on, on who takes those fights, man. All right, let's, uh, let's start off with another really unpopular opinion. You guys ready for this? Yeah. Are you all sitting down? <laughs> get rid of the flyweight division. Get rid of men's 125 because – there's no one there. You, you had, uh, I was, I was here for when Henry Sayuda was here and then he leaves and I'm like, all right, perfect time. Get rid of it. Let's do it. Cause you don't have a whole lot of talent. You don't have a whole lot of recognizable names. I'm not trying to say that those guys aren't talented. I am trying to say that UFC's flyweight division is just poorly stacked. Like one championship has great, uh, smaller weight guys. Like they just got DJ. Um, we won't talk about that. That's not my favorite trade of all time. Um, shout out to Ben Askren. Thanks you bum. We lost the greatest flyweight of all time for you to lose three in a row. Um, <laughs> but the flyweight division in the UFC is pretty weak. There's not really a whole lot of, uh, there's not a, a lot of talent. There's not a lot of reckon. You don't have a face for the division. Like in every other division is, you have like three or four faces like in the flyway. It's kind of like, uh, uh, it's kind of like the New York jets. Like you can't name more than one person. That's only because they're the quarterback. Like besides Sam Darnold, who else can you name on the jets? Nobody flyway division. <laughs> all you got is Davison Figueredo because he's champ. I'm just trying to figure. And, and to be honest, like everyone else lost to, to Demetrius Johnson or Henry Sayudo. So it's like, all right, now that the good guys lost, it's like all the mediocre guys are fighting for a belt. It's just you don't really have a whole lot of talent, but I guess I guess I'll go with the champ, Davison Figueroa. I'll, I'll pick him. Uh, Jennifer Maya, she needs to win. I'm sick and tired of seeing Valentina Shevchenko do that dumb dance every time she wins. <laughs> needs to go away. That that gun tattoo and the, and the silly dance they they used to really grind on me, but now I don't mind her. Hey man, whatever floats your boat. If you like the the, <laughs> the little ballerina twirl thing, that's great. I'm just like I'm just do something else, you know. Celebrate some other way. Do like a backflip off the cage and then, you know, some somersaults or something. I don't know. I'm just like, I think the main reason is I'm tired of seeing the same women challenge Amanda Nunez or anybody else for the belt and then they lose. Um, I got shout outs. Right, I got shout outs before we're done. Hold Yo, on, Stoney. We ain't done yet. All right. Maurice Green. <laughs> Hashtag, I told you not to fight that man. All right. I told you not to fight Greg Hardy. You went up and did it. Look what happened. All right. Look, get at me on Twitter at Zach underscore Frederick. I will manage you. I will find fighters that will not murder you like Greg Hardy did. I am for you. You are my favorite guy on Tough 28, all right? So get at me. Uh, Aljo, Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan, that fight's going to be great, by the way. I'm, I've been looking forward to that fight for like the last four months since uh, Aljo beat Corey Sanhagen. And then Dana White denied him the, the title fight for like two months. And he's like, all right, he's the number one guy. Let's get it. Aljo, you keep getting stuck in Vegas without a ride. Get at me on Twitter. All right. You know how to find me. We talk all the time. And Darren Till, put together a good win streak. Like, not just decisions. You need to knock some people out. 
because somebody needs to fight Izzy. And I can't think of anyone else besides Darren Till because he is he's on the same level as Conor McGregor when it comes to trash talk. Him and Conor McGregor is just great. If you ever are bored, if you're sad or depressed, go look at Darren Till's Twitter and just roll through it and you'll just <laughs> you'll be dying, bro. He is he is a character and he's hilarious. Oh, hashtag, he's great, great value. You're right, favorite. Hashtag, I told you not to fight that man. Peter Yan. I know this is like last year, but I told you not to fight that man. <laughs> I told you it wasn't going to be good. I'm sick and tired of the UFC putting up these, these great hallmarks of their sport against these young, hot, talented guys. Who did, who did, uh, who did Sean fight? Sugar Sean, whatever that dude's name is. He fought Eddie Wineland a couple months ago or earlier this year, last year, whenever it was. Same thing. Yeah. They have a, a Eddie Wineland's just good staple of the, the 135, 145. And they put up Sean O'Malley, uh, which I'll say this on popular opinion. You're a bum. I heard you go on that podcast and say, you're not, you don't have a loss. You do have a loss. And what's worse than that is that you hobbled out on a stretcher, which I've never seen in the UFC. So <laughs> you always have that on your record. Good job. Okay. I'm good. That's all the shout outs except for Sean O'Malley. <laughs> it's not a shout out. I'm just saying you suck and I hate you. I love it. You, you've called out both Sugar Sean's. We've got uh, Sugar Snags down here in Australia quaking in his boots after that call out. And Sugar Sean O'Malley, I'm not sure if he's as petrified as Snags is, but um, no, you've, you've done well, man. Uh, you know hey, what? We're taking, absolute, we're taking absolute. the Sugar moniker away from Sean O'Malley and it solely belongs to Snags. Sugar Snags <laughs> is now the only person that is worthy of the Sugar title. Well, and Rashad Evans, but still. Sugar Snags is ego anymore by giving him the sole title, but he, he will appreciate that 100%. Zach, it has been an absolute pleasure, man. We, we love the call out. We love the challenge. We, we love the stats nickname. Uh, loved everything about today. It's been great. And who knows, somewhere down the line, we might jump jump back on and, and get your thoughts and, on how everything's traveling. Yeah, let me know. And don't forget, it's capital T, the capital S stat, man. <laughs> love it. All right. Take care, my man. All right. Thanks, guys. You're welcome, Zach, from capital T, the capital S stat, man, for your what was that, like 20 minutes of fame almost? Uh, so you're welcome. I hate to see people benefit from my failures, but, you know, you were right. My citizenship is in the mail on the way to Robert Whittaker at Gracie Barra. Um, it was it was disgraceful, and I, I did not want to to go the route that I did. I knew I knew that I picked um, a few risky picks on that on that card. I did think that I would be able to tempt you, Stoney, to, to join me on a few risky picks. But it did turn out that the, every calculator risk that I took blew up so badly <laughs> in my face for that card, except for Khabib by decision. I mean, that was oh well, I went Khabib by decision, and he didn't. He, he finished it. Yeah, it was one of those ones. I think as you were reading them out, and after the podcast, we both commented it really could have gone the complete other yeah. way. It was just one of those cards, and as it panned out, all the luck was with Zach and myself on that that particular night. But you know, we'd game plan for that one stat, man. There was there was no trickery. You couldn't have baited us to changing any of any of those picks. Um, but yeah, great card, and and thanks to to Zach for jumping on. It was uh, great to interact with some of our fans. Uh, we get a lot of interaction, obviously through Twitter and Instagram, but that was something fairly unique. We've never had anyone you know throw down the challenge so uh kudos to zach for that and also if there's any other fans or any other listeners i should say out there who are keen to engage you know this should serve as a you know we're, we're open to any and all ideas so by all means let's hear it 
the quickest and easiest way to get our attention, of course, is to purchase a supporter tee. A few of them actually have built-in rewards to join us on the podcast, offer your picks, offer your suggestions, join us for Hot Take. So that is obviously a, a nice direct avenue. Can't promise that a little bit of shit talk won't go astray either, as as um as evidenced by by Zach there, but yeah, uh, please obviously if you if you are enjoying the podcast, please message us. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, let us know why you think Snags is deliberately sabotaging his picks. <laughs> uh, is he just that good a dude? Does he just want the success of the podcast to to rely on the comedy of his errors, or is he you know just like throwing darts at a board when it comes to picks. It's it's boggling, but maybe some of you have some insight into it. I'm, I'm excited to hear your words. Should we head into UFC 255? Absolutely. Let's get it. First fight on off the ranks, a light heavyweight bout between Mauricio Shogun Hua and Paul Craig. This fight is a rematch of their 2019 draw. There have been six draw rematches in UFC history, with three ending in TKO and three going to the judges' scorecard. Stoney, can you name a two other draw rematches that have been uh, draw rematches that have taken place? Mate, I'm drawing absolute blanks. I cannot cannot name one. Hit us up. So my one of my favorite trilogies ever. Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard, the second bout ending in a draw, the third bout ending in a TKO round four by Frankie Edgar. Of course. Mighty Mouse Johnson defeated Ian McCall after their flyweight tournament bout ended in a draw when it shouldn't have because there was a actually a sudden victory round in there. We also had Rashad Evans and Tito Ortiz, Mark Hunt and Bigfoot Silver, Tyron Woodley and Stephen Thompson. And then a weird one, those five are all quite epic, but Bobby Green versus Lando Venata rematch their draw there you go out of all them it's, i'm absolutely ashamed to say the only one that i'm really kicking myself is wonder boy and woodley because that was one that I, I was so invested in in their fights and in that little i guess there, there wasn't an exchange of trash talk but i'll call it a rivalry just based on how the fights went uh so yeah for that one to slip my mind I, i'm filthy step man it's all good mate it's no no worries you are first up because you are first off the ranks do you want to give us your picks for this fight absolutely i do so from memory this uh the last one paul craig he he was a late replacement so he took that one on fairly short notice from memory uh not sure how much that impacted uh his performance on the night obviously they went to the the decision and, and it was a draw uh i'd like to think when I'm in doubt, I've got a little theory set, man, and you tell me if I'm doing anything wrong here, but when in doubt, I really can't split this one. So I'll always err on the side of who is the younger fighter. And I look at uh, uh, Shogun Rua, who's 38, and surprisingly younger than what I thought. When I when I looked that up, I assumed he was in his early 40s. So uh, he comes in at 38, Paul Craig coming in at a tender 32. On that basis alone, and also looking back at uh, Paul Craig taking the last fight on relatively short notice, you know, he's got a good stand-up game, He's really good with his grappling. I'm leaning towards Paul Craig in this one. Um, I, I think I think you're on the money. Uh, we spoke about this briefly with the Jose Aldo fight. It's less significant about the the birth age, how old you are physically, and your fight age. Shogun Hua was a legend when he became a UFC champion. When he lost to John Jones, the next generation. Shogun Hua was 29 years old, which is insane. Obviously, John Jones was much younger at 23 and 8 months, but Shogun Hua had the air of someone 
much older because he'd been in the fight game for so long. Being in the fight game for so long and suffering as many injuries and defeats as Shogun Hua has changes a fighter. I, I'm typically of the opinion, if you look at Shogun Hua's most recent significant defeats, Rogerio Nogueira is on there, which is not necessarily a significant defeat. Mm-hmm. Probably the one that stands out to me is his defeat of Tyson Pedro, who does have a victory over Paul Craig. However, I do think that Shogun Hua is probably past his prime. And the biggest blip that I could see on Paul Craig's record was his draw against Shogun Hua in 2018. Mm. So looking into that, I will go Paul Craig while acknowledging that Shogun Hua is 5-1-1 one, and one mm. in 2020. It is honestly insane. So I'm taking Paul Craig in this one. Did you want me to run through DL and, and Snags's picks or, or are you happy to? No, if you could, that would be a tremendous step, man, because I don't have their picks up. Why would I take any notice of DL or Sugar Snags's picks? That's a silly question. That's that perfectly <laughs> fair. So DL has gone with the pack. He's gone for Paul Craig. Well, Sugar Snags has gone the uh, the outside choice Backing Shogun Hua. Mm, look out. Uh, Snag's going the, the yeah, that makes sense, right? That do, do you feel confident in your poor Craig pick now? Look, I feel more confident, but I was just about to say, like I, I, I expect Sugar Snags to start throwing up some really wild Hail Marys over not only these cards, but the next few cards. So, you know, don't be surprised if he's picking some ridiculous picks in, in the next few fights. Do you reckon he, is it possible that he could come back and win this one? No, no. <laughs> It's just physically no. <laughs> the trend is in. It's done. I would like to to draw it out. I, I genuinely don't think it's mathematically possible, is it? So we we have not as as long as we're making picks. Correct. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, moving on to the women's flyweight belt, we've got Caitlin Chukagian versus Cynthia Calvillo. Four of Calvillo's last six fights have been fought at a catchweight due to missed weight cuts. Calvillo was responsible for two of them, while her opponents for the other two, um, obviously not ideal for someone who is making their run at a title. Luckily for her, she has moved up to flyweight, and Jessica I was responsible for their missed weight at her new weight class. Stoney, you want to take away? 100%. Look, I, I do like Cynthia. Uh, she's an explosive fighter. I, I like everything she brings to the table, but I just like the the chook, the dog, the underdog in this one. Caitlin Chikagian, I think, is going to get this one done. I look at her record. She's gone win, loss, win, loss, which means the science points to a win, Statman. You cannot d- dispute that. I believe this will be her fourth fight in 2020. Uh, so obviously looking to keep super active. I think Cynthia has only had the one from memory. Uh, so always hard to, to read. How much do you read into uh, activity? But certainly Caitlin has been very active this year. Um, and I think she comes away with a win in this one. All well-reasoned points. However, in this fight, I am going against you. I'm going Cynthia Calveo. I think that Flyweight is a more natural home for her. I think Chuk uh, has hit her has hit her ceiling inside the uh, the flyweight division. Obviously, Valentina Shevchenko is a hard ceiling to hit, um, and I don't think that after the loss to Shevchenko, she came back and defeated Shevchenko's sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I don't see her ascending to the the same heights that she has in the past defeating Jennifer Meyer and, and the others like that. 
Um, Cynthia Calvia, I think, is in a more natural weight class and should take this one. DL actually agrees with me. She's, he's going Cynthia Calvillo, whereas Sugar Snags is going with Stoney, <laughs> oh, no. Caitlin Chukagian. No. How does that make you feel? Is it, is it too late to change my tip step, man? <laughs> it is, absolutely. We've got it on recording here, so you absolutely cannot change your picks. Awkward, awkward, awkward. Moving on to our welterweight belt, we've got Mike Perry versus Tim Means. After an unconventional cornering approach in his last fight out, Perry was looking to expand his corner past just having his girlfriend, Latori Gonzalez, to offer him striking advice. He opened up a bidding war, and once the dust had settled, it was to be a random Redditor and frequent Perry antagonizer Darren Till in his corner for his fight. That is until Dana White entered the conversation and blocked Perry from auctioning off his corner. (laughs) (laughs) Dana White must have nightmares about... Seeing Mike Perry in headlines, I reckon. 100%. I have nightmares about seeing Mike Perry in Has headlines. he auctioned off his corner? Has he knocked out an old defenseless <laughs> man in a bar? What's, what's next in the Mike Perry Chronicles? Yeah, what, what a fascinating ride it's been. And regretfully, Statman, I need to put my hand up because this was one of the worst picks I ever made. And, and I knew it was bad at the time, yeah. but I thought I, yeah. I thought I had some rationale behind it. I actually tipped Mickey Gall and I knew it was bad, but everything was just shambling, like spiraling out of control in Mike Perry's life. Both, you know, he's coming off two losses uh, in succession. He's getting in all sorts of drama outside of the cage. He, he had a, a split from his longtime girlfriend and corner woman uh it, yeah. you know, it, there was nothing platinum princess platinum princess how dare i forget uh there was nothing you know going the way of mike perry heading into that and i thought maybe this is just a man who's you know spiraled off the rails and, and, and this is just the the sad demise and silly 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 stony because he was never going to lose that one to mickey gall I'm really just fascinated to see what Mike Perry we get. So Tim Means obviously brings a lot more, a wealth of experience and, you know, an increase in skill from what Mickey Gall had to offer. I look back, it's actually not not that long ago where we saw Mike Perry defeat Alex Oliveira. Uh, you know, he, he took Paul Felder to a split decision win. Uh, so he's got some big scalps. This guy can absolutely throw down. But I think sometimes the persona of Mike Perry and especially coming off a couple of losses pre-Mickey Gall, people, including myself, were quick to forget that. So, you know, I'm going to draw back and, and have a look at, you know, some of the evidence that he has presented. And, and I think he does have enough. If, he's, if his mind's on the fight, I think he's got enough to get this one done. So you take Mike Perry. 100% lock it in. I, I was also shocked when you picked Mickey Gall for that fight. That was um, a bold move. Uh, I think Mike Perry did come out and show that there are levels to this and, and Mickey Gall should never have never really been in the same cage. In saying that, Mike Perry looked awful against Mickey Gall. He beat him convincingly, but Mike Perry as an athlete who once went 9-0 and in MMA should have won much more convincingly in that fight. I think what Tim Means brings to the table is an aggressive striking approach that is technical and hits hard. And I don't know if Mike Perry, this Mike Perry, the Mike Perry of the last year and a half, can fully stand up to it. My big concern going into this fight is Tim Means, once iron jawed, no longer has an iron chin. And and my big fear is that Mike Perry will land a bomb on him, which he is more than capable of doing. 
However, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Tim Means in this fight. I think that Tim Means has the necessary skill to be able to sort this one out. Uh, DL has gone Mike Perry. Sugar Snags, Mike Perry. <laughs> oh, dear. This card spells so, trouble already. <laughs> this is this is where I'm going to claw back some some picks. If uh, Cynthia Calvillo and Tim Means both get up, you are looking at a end new in the driver's seat. Heading into the co-main event, women's flyweight title bout between Valentina Shevchenko and Jennifer Meyer. While Meyer has had five fights scheduled for flyweight, she has only hit the championship weight of 125 pounds once before. Twice she hit the scales at the non-title limit of 126, and twice she has missed weight completely, weighing in at 127.2 pounds and 129 pounds in back-to-back fights in 2019. So fingers crossed this fight still goes ahead as a flyweight championship bout. Stoney. What's your pick? Look, it'll be a bold man to tip against Valentina, and I'm not feeling that bold tonight, Statman, especially after you've already uh, pointed out that I could already be trailing heading into this fight. You know, I'm not about trying to take Hail Marys at this point. What I will say, I do like Jennifer Meyer a lot. Uh, She just got done beating up my girl, the bad mofo Jojo, which I wasn't thrilled about. Um, But I, I trace back and I look that... She went down to Caitlin Chukagian at UFC 244 in a unanimous decision. Caitlin then went on to fight Valentina and completely, you know, demonstrated just just how far below uh, the level uh, of Valentina Shevchenko she was on that night. You know, I know MMA maths never or rarely works, but just looking at that, I think if if Caitlin was able to to get the decision win over over Jennifer Meyer, you know, I think that spells enormous concern for Jennifer heading into the Valentina fight. So all things being equal, if Valentina, you know, rocks up and she's had no issues in her training camp or anything like that, which we're not privy to, you know, this should be an absolute walk in the park. I'm tipping a round two TKO for Valentina. Uh, I think I think that's the big thing. You can say if Valentina Shevchenko shows up, she should handily defeat Jennifer Meyer. And I don't think that there has been a fighter who's more consistently showed up than Valentina Shevchenko. Um, there's never been a question of her dedication. There's never been a question of of her showing up and competing at the highest level. Jennifer Meyer, I do not see an avenue for her in this fight. The big thing for me was trying to work out whether or not I figured that this would be a relatively quick finish or a long drawn out beating. Um, I have gone, unfortunately, the exact same as Stoney. I'm going around two TKO for Valentina Shevchenko. Um, I think that the we'll see a bit of Anderson Silva style feeling out process in the first round, and once it's been dialed in, we should start to see an annihilation in the second. Yep. Um, I do like Jennifer Meyer. I would be. I'd be more surprised than I have been in a long time if she manages to pull this one off. Mm. DL has gone Valentina Shevchenko round one TKO, obviously feeling uh, feeling much as the boys do that this is a bit of a skill divide. And Sugar Snags actually agrees with the both of us, Stoney. He's gone Valentina Shevchenko round two TKO, which would normally make me really, really concerned for my pick. However... Such is my faith and belief in Valentina Shevchenko going into this fight. I don't see that as I don't think even Sugar Snacks 
can uh, can topple this one. It's such a Monty that even the worst tipper on the podcast couldn't possibly butcher. Is that what you're saying, Seth? I don't want to put words in your mouth because this is... I challenge God <laughs> himself <laughs> to, to uh, side against Sugar Snags, as he so often does uh, in this one. Um, I think if if God was to come down and and challenge us in this fight. Just because Snags has done it, Valentina Shevchenko would look him dead in the eye and say, not today. <laughs> Love it. It's time! I think it's time for our main event, a flyweight title fight between Davison Figueredo and Alex Perez. Twenty-eight out of the twenty-eight finishes from both Figueredo and Perez have come in the first two rounds. Seventeen times their fights have made it to round three. All seventeen have gone to a decision. These guys like to finish fights quick or take it to a decision. What are we thinking, Stoney? Look, I think uh, we had a good chat with Zach earlier, uh, just in relation to the future of the flyweight division. Uh, I think he hit the nail on the head where you look at someone like Figueredo, who just at this stage appears classes ahead. Uh, Obviously, Joseph Benavidez, widely regarded as one of the best I guess, fighters to never touch UFC gold. And he was handily uh, just disposed of, I guess, in, in both fights uh, the with Figueredo. So uh, on that basis, look, I, you know, I do like Alex Perez. Uh, I, I do see a, a scenario where uh, he potentially, you know, causes an upset in this one. But again, it, w- it would be a bold man. And look, if we were heading into the last card of the year and I trailed by, you know, a faithful point and we had to send it, send it to sudden death, you know, I, I might, you know, take a different approach. But in in the current environment, Statman, I'm uh, going to hold firm with Figueredo and I'm going with a round two TKO. Davison Figueredo, uh, Joseph Benavidez 2, uh, is one of the most violent flyweight fights of all time. Ranking in the top five for sure is their first meeting as well. I love Joey B. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think he's a fantastic fighter, pioneer of the lower weight classes, and to see such a violence happen to him was really really disconcerting. Have you have you rewatched that fight, Stony? I've not. I've not. I, I I feel that I've got a good recollection of the fight, but I've not gone back and rewatched it. Watch it again because watching it live and then. And then knowing what's happening as you're watching it as two different experiences. Um, I watched it again in preparation of this fight and I was just struck by Figueredo. He's, he was lasered in mm. on that performance. Yep. Um, I don't think, I don't think anyone else in the flyweight division can, can handle the, the violence that he brings, mm. which is, which is sensational for the flyweight division mm. because if anything can capture the casual fans heart, it is unrelenting violence. And Davison Figueredo is that man. I think that he takes his fight. I think that he makes it look, I would say easy, but he's going to make it look brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking Davison Figueredo with round one TKO. Uh, and I was honestly, the hardest thing, the hardest decision, decision for me is, is he going to submit him or is he going to TKO, TKO him? Mm-hmm. Um, I went with the TKO. I like Alex Perez. I think that he has a lot of skills that he can bring to the sport. I just think Davison Figueredo is is insane. And I'm actually very, very excited to see 
what takes place on the undercard of UFC 255 between Brandon Moreno and Brandon Royville. Um, mm-hmm. Both yep. outstanding flyweight prospects, and you have to think that whoever wins that, if they win convincingly, will get the next shot against Davison Figueredo. Um, so a lot of... And, and I, I feel bad because I'm just clearly writing off Alex Perez in this fight, but uh, I think we're going to see two flyweight champions retain their belts come UFC 255. Absolutely. I, I struggle to think of a UFC card in recent memory where the co-main and the main appear to be such formalities. Um, you know, I, I may stand corrected, but this one to me, it was a very easy and it's, I think you hit the nail on the head. What kept me, you know, stressing throughout the afternoon was more about how is it going to finish as opposed to who is going to get the finish. So, yeah. you know, really intrigued by this one. Uh, you also mentioned earlier on in, in the, this card will be Brandon, the raw dog, Royville. Uh, super impressive. Now, who did he touch up from City Kickboxing? Kaikara France. He, yeah, he just... That was, an, that was an insane scrap as well. That was such a fun fight. Really fun fight. Uh, so that was another one where I, I tipped with the heart, as I'm known to do. Uh, but deep down, I, I had a bad feeling heading into that fight. And, yeah, Brandon, yeah, absolutely, you know, showed all all the class in that one. And I'm really looking forward. I like him. I, I want to jump on the train. So let's hope he gets it done uh, this weekend also. You've made me sweat a little bit by mentioning you can't think of a time when a main and co-main event had like more certainty behind it and and i i think back ufc 129 is probably the last time i can remember going i know who's gonna win these fights Mm -hmm. and to be honest they both won jose aldo over mark hominick and george sampiero over jake shields but they were both amongst the closest fights that either of those (laughs) two superstars had ever had up up until that point um so I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I should have gone Shevchenko and Figueredo <laughs> by decision, maybe. Or like, um, that that makes me nervous. Uh, DL has gone with the boys Figueredo via round two TKO, whereas Sugar Snags has taken Alex Perez by unanimous mm. decision. Well, I say decision. I say decision, <laughs> which is a bold choice. Um <laughs> Well, uh, as per the stat, we know if it gets to the third round, it's going to the decision. So um, maybe he maybe he got a privy to the stats before he jumped on. Look, he clearly didn't. I think he just tossed a coin as per most of his main event tips this year. But, you know, I, I did make the call that we're going to see some outlandish tips. So it absolutely pains me to walk away knowing that I've only tipped two differently from him on this occasion, Statman. So a little bit nervous on, on that basis alone. But if I if I take the sugar snags element away from my picks, you know, I'm reasonably confident. I, I think Mike Perry, you know, I think we see a better Mike Perry than, than what we anticipated seeing in his last fight. And what was the other point of difference that we... Caitlin and Chukagian, you took. Correct. I, I've always had a soft spot for Caitlin. I don't think I've ever tipped her, but she she's done well in fights where I didn't expect her to do well and then in fights where I've expected her to do well, she's been underwhelming. So that doesn't bode well. But I feel like every every time you have someone who, <laughs> you know, strokes the heart somewhat, there's a reason for it, Statman. And I think it's all my entire, you know, following of Caitlin has led me to this point where she's going to get the job done and it's going to be another one in the win column. Uh, and it's going to be a good, it's a good card, a good night. I'm just going to enjoy it. 
Let me let me get that straight. You're picking Caitlin Chukagian because she's inconsistent. Is that? <laughs> I think I think that's I think that's where you ended up there. Well, it's how I started off. I said if you look at her form, she's win loss win loss, which scientifically means that's she's going to win. That's, so that's you true. have you, you've you've caught me out there. But like I owned that point right from the outset. So she is inconsistent, but I think we see a, a good performance from her against Cynthia. And yeah, bring it on. That's it. That's a wrap for episode thirty-seven. Uh, as I mentioned, parentless <laughs> this uh, this this round around. Um, I'm certain that DL and Snags will be cautiously optimistic as they listen in, tune in. Uh, maybe a little bit sad about the amount of ribbing, especially Sugar Snags. We do love you, but your picks are completely <laughs> awful. And the boys will be back episode 38, but we hope that you enjoyed this special miniature episode. Uh, me, Stony, and Zach <laughs> hanging out <laughs> in this in this podcast. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please hit us up on our socials. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. The, um, please like, share, comment, or subscribe to the podcast. Those guys really do help us reach an audience that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to reach. If you would like to more directly support the podcast, please have a look at the supporter tees. They are still available online. Hit up the link in our social bio. There are a way that you can directly influence and directly help the podcast grow uh, with a bunch of cool perks for you to be able to interact with us on a more personal level and get your voice out into the podcast world. That's it for episode 37, boys. I am the Statman. I am Stony, And we will run it back with you on the next Run It Back podcast. I think we did okay. I think we did okay. okay. I think we did fine. It wasn't just um, wasn't just Stoney and the Statman talking about JLP for 25 minutes straight. No, no. I mean, that would have been a pretty good podcast, though. <laughs>